Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 16? In the original Hebrew text, 1 and 2 Samuel are all the same writing divided most likely due to the length of the scroll to make two scrolls out of one. The three main characters in 1 Samuel are Samuel, the prophet, then Saul, then David. David pretty much then along with other, a few minor characters, will dominate the story, the narrative, uh, all the way into, well into Second Samuel, all the way. So, with that in mind, let's look at First uh, Samuel 16. God, it's God's turn to choose a king. Of course, the contrast here is it's we're taught clearly in the scriptures that that God ordains the the powers that be but for the sake of contrast we will remember that Saul is everything that man is very self-centered and prideful chosen by the people because of how he looked David is God's choice. There is no consulting the people with regard to the anointing of David. So when God chooses his king, he chooses David, as we well know. So let's go to the city of Bethlehem. This is where, this is in the area where um, Sarah was buried. Uh, so long, long, long ago. It's the place where Boaz and Ruth married. It's the place where Obed was born. It was David's uh, grandfather. So it's his home place, so to speak. And it becomes even more of a central place in the scriptures in the New Testament. Yahweh said to Samuel, Until when are you mourning for Saul, when I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and come, and I shall send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have seen for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How shall I go? For if Saul hears, he will kill me. Yahweh said, you shall take a heifer with you and you shall say, I have come to slaughter a sacrifice to Yahweh. And you shall invite Jesse to the sacrificial feast. And I shall let you know what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me whom I shall tell you. God knows everybody in the world. Always has, always will. And we've, we've read this story many times and we know about it. 
But the Lord brings all things together according to his will. And we see those through whom he, he works and, and will work here in the, in the text. Samuel did what Yahweh had spoken. And he came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city hurried toward him. And one said, is your coming peaceable? Sometimes it's bad news when a prophet comes into the city. Uh, and... Samuel had, had a pretty sharp sword. He cut the Agagite king up in pieces. So that's a pretty good question. Are we in trouble? And he said, no, my reason for coming is peaceable. I've come to slaughter a sacrifice to Yahweh. Prepare yourselves and you shall come with me to the sacrificial feast. And he prepared Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrificial feast. And it was that when they came and he saw Eliab, that he said, Surely before Yahweh is his anointed. Now, it's not that way just yet, but it still, it still shows you the truth of what Yahweh says through his prophet My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are. Are not your ways, my thoughts are above your thoughts, my ways are above your ways. The best thing to do is just to sit still, be quiet, and let Yahweh do what he's going to do. So here comes the family of David, of course, his brothers, all of them older. David is the youngest, and Yahweh said to Samuel, Look not upon his appearance, or the height of his stature, for I have rejected him, not as, for it is not as a man sees what is visible to the eyes, while Yahweh sees into the heart. Jesse called to Abinadab. He presented him before Samuel, and he said, Neither has Yahweh chosen this one. Jesse presented Shammah, and he said, Neither has Yahweh chosen this one. Jesse presented his seven sons before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, Yahweh has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are, are, these, are these all you have? Are these all of the young men? And he said, well, I still have the youngest one. He's not nearly as strong and big and, and all as, as these guys, his brothers. The youngest still remains and behold, he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we shall not sit down until he comes here. There are, there is a character and there are characteristics that are developed in being a shepherd. David will be the shepherd king. A shepherd has to invest himself into the lives of his sheep. This is his job. He even puts his life on the line for his sheep. In writing his very famous 23rd Psalm, inspired of the Lord, he takes the position of a sheep who belongs to the great shepherd and his shepherd is Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not, I shall, 
Hosser is the Hebrew. I shall not be made lower. I shall not, I shall not be diminished because he cares for me. And then he, he describes the attributes of a shepherd because that's how he lived with regard to his sheep. Um, they, you know, they were kept from rushing water because sheep have an innate fear of water since standing in very shallow water their wool that would not have been cut yet would absorb and suck the water up into their coat and they would become so heavy that they couldn't carry themselves and they would either have to struggle to get out of the water and then collapse and, and be there for whatever uh, predator could come along or collapse in the water and eventually drown. So they, they had this, so he, you know, he, he leads his sheep, he takes care of them, understands their fears, does not want them to be afraid. And then going through the valley of death, the valley of the shadow of death. When I was in the Holy Land one time, they showed us what, what for thousands of years the, the Jews believed was the actual, uh, the, it's called the Wadi Kelt. The Wadi Kelt, it's where they believe uh, David was speaking about. It's a, it's a very narrow passage with tall cliffs on either side and there would be crags and overhangs of rocks and some, would, some of the overhangs and crags would come over the other one and it was such that even though the sun would pass by this area was always dark and in the shadow because of the, because of the structure of, of, of the cliffs and the overhangs. And it was very narrow. A shepherd doesn't drive sheep. They follow him. They're not cattle. They're not, he's not a cowboy. He's a shepherd. And sheep are can't think for themselves, they can't protect themselves, they can't see well, but they can hear very well and they can hear the voice of the shepherd. So he would be calling all along and his voice would comfort the sheep and he would carry a staff and a rod and a sling and these were weapons. They were not only instruments that he could use to pull lambs out of out of deep holes, but they also were weapons that he could use to fend off any uh, predator that was a natural enemy to the sheep. And the, in, order to, in order to avoid a very long trip to go from low land to high land and to go from one grazing field, one set of grazing fields, and then they would be grazed over and you have to take them to the other grazing field. Uh, in order to do that, you had to go through this. This was the shortest way and the way that would be the most comfortable for the sheep. So it, it reeked of the odor of the sheep. And the shepherd would go first. Whatever was in that dark valley would have to take on the shepherd before he could have any of the sheep. And the shepherd was ready to give his life for his sheep. So everything that the shepherd did in that valley may have been to discomfort the predators, but it was to comfort 
the sheep. And whatever he did was a comfort to them. All they, their only job was to listen for his voice and follow it. That was their only job. They didn't have any except to, except to graze and grow wool and, and reproduce so that the flock could make the owner more wealthy, wealthier. So this is, he couldn't have understood alone facing some of the most fierce and ferocious and dangerous animals in that part of the world. He couldn't have, and he was a young guy by himself and he had to do it and God gave him courage so he was he was more than willing to stand up to the most dangerous of enemies in this case wild animals who were ravenously hungry for the sheep the sheep didn't have to do anything but he was ready willing and able to stand between the sheep and whatever and go to war for them if he had to. David the boy could not have understood how God was instilling within his life the characteristics of a good king who would care for his people, who would go to war against all odds to protect his people, to take care of his people. This is how he's being developed. And he's developed just between where he is and the Spirit of God. So he, he has these prayers, he writes them, and he puts them to music and becomes the sweet psalmist of Israel. So now we're about to be introduced for the first time to David because it's like he's nobody. It seems like, sounds like there's a song in there somewhere, and maybe I'll, I'm just a nobody. Um, he, he's not even highly regarded by his daddy. Ah, oh, this little kid of mine, the youngest one, he's with the sheep. He's, you know. But Samuel knows that Yahweh knows that this must be the son because the rest of them just haven't passed the test of Yahweh. David is the shepherd. But what other people didn't see that God could see is this. There was a nobility and a courage and a focus for the care of others developed in the life of a shepherd that other people just had never experienced. So David is very confident, very young, but very confident in himself because of how he has cared for his sheep and has never, has never bypassed a challenge. It didn't matter what the challenge was. So David is the shepherd. And he sent him and brought him and he was ruddy. That Hebrew word means that he was fair complected. Now that's unusual for that part of the world in that day. He was fair complected in his skin. His hair was fair with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance. And Yahweh said, arise, anoint him for he's the one. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. 
And the Spirit of Yahweh passed over David from that day forth. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So what does Daddy Jesse think about this? What do the brothers think? They probably didn't really understand at this point. When we get to the close of the story, we're going to see that Samuel dispatches David to go and serve the king. So probably it would appear to the father and the brothers that he was simply being separated for service to the king. It would have blown their mind, I'm sure, if they had known that he was being anointed king of Israel. Now the Bible says a spirit of Yahweh passed over David. Or spirit of Yahweh. In, in, in New Testament theology, of course, believers are in possession of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe better said, the Holy Spirit is in possession of the believers. And he takes up residence in our lives. But there is a special empowerment that comes from God, and this is evident in both Testaments. There is a special empowerment from God when God calls people into service. In the Old Testament setting, this, this, was, this was a spirit from Yahweh that lifted him up and would make him and would make him practically invincible, especially in war. Now, here's a shepherd boy. He's never been to war. He, he hasn't experienced the things of life that people who were in the city or in the court of the king had experienced. He had never experienced any of that. But it didn't matter because the Spirit of Yahweh had come upon him. And from that moment on, really, even though a great deal of time will pass before he ascends to the throne, from that moment forward, this is God's king for Israel. So now God prepares David. He's already been preparing him as a shepherd. Talked about that. But this little guy, David, who has never probably ever been out too far away from the fields of the sheep, is about to be introduced to the court of the king. So David now is the psalmist in the court of the king. And the spirit of Yahweh departed from Saul. Can you see where that's headed? Can't have two kings here. So that spirit of Yahweh departed from Saul, but the spirit has come upon David. Now, and an evil spirit from Yahweh frightened Saul. David writes after his sin, the 51st Psalm, and he pleads with Yahweh, take not your spirit from me. There is a spirit of accomplishment 
a spirit of camaraderie, a, a spirit of joy and obedience to what God has called a man to do with regard to service to him. Because David knew that if that, if that special preparation by way of spirit from Yahweh, if it ever departed from him, he would literally descend into madness the way Saul did. Already, we saw this last time, already the prophet told Saul that the kingdom was no longer his. That God had found for himself a king. But Saul has totally disregarded the word of God from Samuel. Now do you remember way back early in Samuel when Samuel was introduced? Yahweh said, consider everything that Samuel says as my word. He will deliver my word. So when Samuel said, you're no longer the king, that's the word of God. But the word of God just was meaningless to Saul. And in rebellion... He now has descending upon him an evil spirit that frightens him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit of Elohim is frightening you. And let our master, let our Lord, let our master say, Your servants are before you. Let them seek a man who knows how to play on the harp, and it will be that when the evil spirit of Elohim is upon you, he will play with his hand and it will be good for you. Now the, the, the name Yahweh is, is here uh, replaced by the term Elohim, which is a less personal name. It still has the same uh, import in that it is God. Elohim is God. But Yahweh has a very personal and intimate uh, connotation. It's the personal name of God. It's the covenant name. So here the Holy Spirit is leading the writer of 1 Samuel to say that this evil spirit of Elohim is coming because you are not acknowledging that you don't have the spirit from Yahweh to lead the people of God, you have been told that you are no longer the one, that God has chosen another. And in your rebellion, God, God is allowing depression to come upon you. So let our master, they're talking about Saul here, let our master say to us, just go get me somebody to soothe me who can play on the harp. It will be that when the evil spirit of Elohim is upon you, he will play with his hand, and it will be good for you. Saul said to his servants, Provide me now with a man who plays well, and you shall bring him to me. And one of the young men answered and said, Behold, I saw a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who knows how to play, a mighty man of valor, and a warrior, and prudent in affairs, and a handsome man, and Yahweh is with him. Now, we're not given much detail about that, but just think of it. 
long before this occasion here in the court of King Saul, somewhere just along the way, there was what everybody else would have thought a happenstance meeting. Our paths happened to cross. He happened to be playing the harp. I happen to know that he is a, a courageous young man. Now, this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it, but it comes out later. I happen to know, perhaps the man said, that he takes on bears and lions and he's not afraid of anything. Out there in the wilderness where he could be left for dead. He's a warrior. And he has wisdom. He knows what he's doing. A handsome man, that never hurts, does it? And Yahweh is with him. This is the key to the whole thing. Yahweh is with him. Arrogant, prideful Saul still can't understand the circumstances that are coming upon him. He just refuses and rejects the truth, uh, the word of God. Saul sent messengers to Jesse and he said, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. Jesse took a donkey laden down with bread and earthenware jug of wine and a kid. And he sent them with David, his son, to Saul. So he sends a gift and he sends his son. You see, it, it was, they, they, they think, well, he's, he's going to serve. Samuel, for some reason, has anointed him for service to the king. So we're going to send all these gifts. Should have been the other way around, really. We're going to send all these gifts, and we're going to send David to the king. Not long after David arrives, he is brought into the army. He is brought into the military, and he has a fairly high rank in the sense that he's the king's armor bearer. David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him very much. And he was his weapon bearer. So now David not only has a front seat to the processes of decision making and so forth in the king's court. Now he's going to have a front seat in war. Where the men of Israel following the king Saul... Go to war all the time. I mean, you know, the Bible says, we saw, it, we saw it last time, I think, where Saul was just at war constantly. He was always fighting battles. Now the shepherd boy who sees into the heart of the king, Saul, sees how he is distressed, himself understanding the spiritual journey that both of them are on, how he can serve both Yahweh and Saul by singing and playing and writing songs, soothing the heart of the king because David is anointed and he has the spirit of Yahweh on him. And he becomes close to Saul so that Saul begins to trust him and lets him in on important meetings and things that the king would do. Then... Let's him be by his side. The, the armor bearer, the weapon bearer has to be right next to the king. So this is, where, this is where David is. And probably at this point his training starts. His military training uh, begins. 
But all of these are showing us how God is further preparing David for what David, for which David has been anointed. And we're introduced David to David here finally as the unique servant of God. There's nobody like him. Nobody in all of Israel could have served Saul and fulfilled service to Yahweh but David because this is God's choice. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David stand before me now for he has found favor in my eyes. In other words, I'm not going to let him come back home. I need him. I need him right where he is, by my side. And it would be that when the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that David would take the harp and would play with his hand, and Saul would be relieved. And it would be good for him. The spirit of evil would depart from him. So you and I are also being introduced in Samuel, 1 Samuel. We're also being introduced to the power of God in David's life and how the presence and obedience of David by the power of God working through him dispels evil. So David is a very powerful spiritual person who is quickly gaining favor with, uh, with all the people in, in the land. And it will continue that way as we, as we pick this up next time. Uh, but for now, we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.